Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Good morning, everyone. Allie gave us a bit of a preview of the scripture we'll be reading from today, and that is Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. On the transfiguration. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Since we were last together, the mayor lifted the mask mandate, and I can't tell you how good it is to have people smile back at me on Sunday. It is good to see you. We are in the ninth chapter of Luke's gospel, and across this chapter, the disciples are, not, are really not on a very good run. Uh, it, it's, it's a bad stretch, and if you take it all together, it could be enough for them to just want to throw up their hands and, and quit it all. I mean, early on in the chapter, Jesus calls out the twelve sends them out on their ministry assignments, tells them to take nothing with them, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money. But then his final instructions are what to do if they kick you out. Now, that's not really much of a pep talk before you're headed out into your ministry. Not a real encouragement. Next in this chapter, they come upon a crowd with not enough to eat. Jesus tells the disciples to give them something to eat. They failed. We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go buy food for all these 5,000 people. All this just in chapter 9. Then Jesus asked a fill-in-the-blank question. Who do the crowds say that I am? And they got that wrong. 
John the Baptist, Elijah. Finally, of course, you know that Peter answers rightly, the Messiah of God. Then, Jesus tells them to deny themselves, take up their cross, lose their lives to save their lives. I mean, when is enough enough? Following Jesus can be hard. Deny yourself, failed ministry attempts, witnessing to the love of Jesus and getting the door slammed in your face. At what point do you just throw up your hands and say, enough? I have many minister friends who are at that place right now. There is an alarming pattern underway in 2022. I don't know if you've seen this, but it looks like more pastors will resign or retire this year than any year in history. They've said enough. It's a combination of factors. The baby boomers, of course, are now in their 60s. That's a part of it. Uh, Until recently, the stock market's been good and they More people can afford to retire. That's been part of it. But mostly the friends I've talked to have said, I just led a church through an unprecedented 20-year decline of religion in America. Then the pandemic put the church decline into hyperdrive. And now I've come up and I'm facing a post pandemic church that I don't even know how to lead and the church leaders are pounding on me to fix it and giving leadership to a declining institution is increasing my stress and eroding my soul I've just had enough and let's be honest it's going on with some of you too In these pandemic years, several church folks have backed off. There's the cliche, you know, that people like doing church from from the sofa in their pajamas, but it's more than that. Some church leaders who've been, up until the pandemic, investing in committee work in the nighttime and Saturdays studying their Sunday school lesson, just backed away and said enough. And God seems distant. Church to some seems so antiquated. We want an experience of God, so we will still fast and pray and attend retreats and walk the Camino, reaching for some experience of the holy. But Sunday after Sunday, as one preacher put it, we've had enough of the careful process of mounting dead butterflies on pins. Jesus said, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And a lot of church folks have just said, enough. Well, eight days after Jesus had these hard teachings with the disciples about losing your life for Jesus' sake, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain for prayer, and they failed again. They fell asleep. 
They'd had enough. But what happened on that mountain startles them awake and stays with them for the rest of their lives. While Jesus was praying, his face changed. His clothing became so white that it dazzled like sunshine off of a new snow. And they woke and they tried to adjust their eyes to the dazzle and they started to make out not one but three figures. Jesus has been joined by Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and the three of them were talking Exodus. This time it wasn't the Exodus that Moses led, it was the Exodus that was about to happen as Jesus awaits Jerusalem. Peter, James, and John witness a miracle of glory. Moses, the symbol of the law. Elijah, the symbol of the prophets. And Jesus there in sparkling white. And Peter speaks. Have you noticed that Peter always speaks? Always. You remember as a kid, there was always one kid in class who had his hand up for every question and sometimes just shouted out the answer while you were still trying to formulate the answer? Peter was that kid in school, I'm convinced. You can count on Peter to speak first. And he says, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Moses led the wilderness wanderings that we now celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Elijah led the prophetic witness to the coming Messiah. Here it is in front of us, right here, Israel's redemptive history, God's redemptive story. Let's capture this. Let's commemorate it. And no sooner does he get it out of his mouth than a cloud descends. It overshadows Jesus and his companions It makes it kind of hard to make out who's who and what's what. So in absolute terror, Peter, James, and John tiptoe into the mystery. You know from other Hebrew stories that a cloud is often a part of the story. The cloud that manifests and hides. As we read in the psalm a while ago, we know this isn't Moses' first cloud experience, right? In Exodus, God speaks to Moses from a cloud. But this time, God is speaking to the three disciples and says this. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. After the voice had spoken, the cloud lifts Jesus is found alone. The three symbols of Israel's liberation are not equal. There are not three dwellings of equal size built on a mountaintop. Now standing alone is the unique Son of God. And the disciples who had experienced the full glory of this event said not a word. They had had such an experience of the presence of God's power that they couldn't even speak of it. Have you ever had that experience? An experience where God felt so close, that was so holy, so personal, so intimate, 
you couldn't even speak of it. I have. Not often, but I have. I think I might have told you this story once before. But one of my experiences of God breaking through (laughs) involves a delivery truck. No kidding. So when Melissa and I uh, got married and she had decided to follow her call into public school teaching and I had decided to follow my call into ministry, we both realized that our futures were not going to be marked by a whole lot of financial ease. Well, then we had children two at a time just to underscore that it was not going to be easy financially. We'd come out of the twins' teenage years, paying for church camps and cheerleading uniforms and all the other added expenses of adolescence, and wouldn't you know it, they both applied and got into Mercer, a private university. So by now, I'm telling friends, I have no hope of living inside my budget. I'm, I'm trying to live inside my credit, right? Then, on top of this, now hear me clearly, these are good stories. College, this next story, it's a blessing. My daughter Haley accepted Chris's proposal of marriage. Yeah, which means now I have a wedding coming up on top of right. Well, background for this story, as a part of my doctoral studies, I focused on leadership coaching. In the process, I became certified, ICF credentials and all of that. I am still a credentialed leadership coach. But my coach at the time was a full-time coach and trainer. That's all she did. And she had just landed a huge account. Her firm was to coach executives at Ryder Trucking in Miami, Florida. The account was so big that her small firm couldn't handle all of it, so she commissioned me. She asked if I would contract with her firm uh, to be one of the coaches to executives at Ryder, and I agreed. So for two years, I had a phone call a month with three executives, and I flew to Miami once a month for two solid years to coach these executives in person. The pay was good. Now, I had been coaching some pastors. The pay in corporate life is different scale. It was really good. Anyway, one day before the wedding, I was so stressed I couldn't focus. I I think Melissa and Haley might have just told me what the flowers were going to cost or something. Anyway, I I was in the car just this side of a full-blown panic attack, thinking about the regular bills, the college tuition costs. I think I just learned that the wedding dress is going to need some alterations and all of that. And right in front of me, I saw a rider delivery truck and the the rider logo on the side. And in that moment, something of God's grace flooded me. The panic was replaced by a peace that felt supernatural to me. It was as though God were saying, I've taken care of you up until now. 
I've got this. I'm going to take care of you still. I realized that that writer coaching wasn't some corporate gig as much as it was a provision of God's grace. And I know it's not a 17th century icon or anything like that, but at that moment, a red trucking logo symbolized the inbreaking of God's grace in my life. I did not tell a soul. As I said, I think I told that story one other time from this pulpit several years ago. But when I told it then, it had been some years removed, and it was the first time I'd ever said it out loud. Because it seemed too holy, too personal, too weird. I mean, that's what others of you say to me when you trust me with your stories of God's inbreaking. You tell me those stories with a hint of embarrassment as though it's going to be received as silly or romantic or naive. Even though you know down to your toes that it was the rare and holy inbreaking of God's love. Well, same thing with the disciples. The final verse of our story, and they kept silent. And in those days told no one any of these things they had seen. Like me, they eventually told somebody because we have it recorded in Luke's gospel. But in the freshness of that experience, they couldn't speak. But here's the other thing that happened. They signed back up. Despite the long days and the hard teachings, the commands to take up your cross, the instructions about what to do when you enter somebody's house and they kick you out, all of their attempts to care, the ministries that failed, the long silences when they just wondered if they were just mounting dead butterflies on a pin, their lives were renewed and the call to be disciples reanimated. The very next day, when they came down from the mountain, Jesus heals a man's son, and the man tells Jesus, I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Apparently, they just kept failing even then. They had more failures and more disappointments on the other side of that encounter. But the holy encounter of God's mystery was enough to keep them going all the way to the cross. You and I are going to continue in failures and disappointments. Our church is going to continue to sputter in this post-pandemic world. Things are not turning around overnight. But God still is. God was and God is. The God who delivered Israel brought salvation 
after a long season of wandering. The God who raised Jesus from the dead still waited from Friday to Sunday. And we know that Saturdays can be long, long days. We find the strength to take up our cross daily because we remember. We remember that the God we worship has always been faithful to God's people and is faithful still. We remember that though it doesn't happen as often as we would like, God still breaks into our ordinary lives and winks at us. We have stories too holy and too personal to speak about yet. We, like the disciples, have had a glimpse of glory and a glimpse of God's amazing love. So we sign back up. We get back into the game. We recommit to Christ and his church. In between the tingling moments of God's inbreaking, we just go back to work. Because we've been called to serve. And so we serve and we serve and we serve and we wait because God's grace will break through again. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.